You're listening to If Only I Were Wiser podcast, where Raina Wilson brings together wisdom and raw life stories to provide encouragement and truth. So many times it's easy to become discouraged in your own pursuit of health because your story or circumstances look drastically different from your favorite influencer or even the expectations you had for yourself. If that is you, welcome. This space is for you to learn, breathe, and maybe just listen and see what wellness could look like for you. Hey friends, welcome back to the If Only Hour Wiser podcast. I am so excited for today's show. We have the queen of cyclical fitness, Courtney Babilia. Courtney is a registered nurse, certified personal trainer, women's fitness specialist, and mom of two. Her business, Keeping Balance, aims to bring women sustainable and approachable strategies for fitness that makes the gray area sexy again, exercise fun again, and ultimately means pursuing health on your own terms. Today's show is so rich from the basics of hormone health to honoring cyclical fitness and motherhood. I really hope you get as much out of this conversation as I did, so let's dive in. Hey friends, welcome back to the If Only I Were Wiser podcast. I'm so excited to introduce Courtney Babilia, the amazing woman behind Courtney Keeping Balance, and I'm just so excited and fangirling over this conversation, so I'm really excited to bring you guys into it. So Courtney, can you just give a little introduction about who you are, what life looks like for you so our audience can get to know you? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that intro. That makes me feel (laughs) very good about myself. (laughs) Uh, I appreciate that. So yeah, my name is Courtney. I am a fitness nurse. So what that means is that I'm a registered nurse and a personal trainer. I'm also a women's fitness specialist. And I started my business keeping balance after many years of going through, um, disordered eating, disordered relationship with fitness. And I finally came to a place in my life where everything was starting to balance out for me, being a mom, being a military spouse, and then wanting to do more with my nursing license than just be at the bedside. So um, when my husband moved for the army, I had this blank slate. And so I started keeping balance and was able to reach women online, help them kind of realign their approach to fitness and wellness and health overall so that it's working for their lives more so than them being a slave to it. Um, And so right now I'm just, you know, I say just, but I am a mom of two to stay at home with them. I have two little toddlers. I have Murphy, he's almost four and Kellen just turned two. So my life is very much minute to minute. And if you have toddlers, you probably know exactly Mm -hmm. what I mean by that. But um, I pretty much just work on keeping balance when they're asleep. So nap times and I'm trying to be a lot better about boundaries for myself when they go to bed and then actually having time for myself too, because I can easily stay up until like two in the morning working on this stuff because it's just like, it gives me so much life. And then I'm like, why am I so tired? So (laughs) um, I'm working on that more. Yes. And I am just, I'm hoping to make this honestly just blow up. I want keeping balance to take the world by storm. So (laughs) that's me in a nutshell. (laughs) So far, it's definitely just been, I think, a huge encouragement. Um, So you mentioned that your husband's in the army, where if you guys want to share like where you're stationed, we are also a military family. We're down in Texas at Fort Hood. (laughs) So I totally can empathize with... uh, just like the military culture and how do you navigate that? And then being, you know, a stay at home mom and holding down the fort at home. Oh yeah, for sure. We are at Fort Campbell right now. We live off base. So we're actually on the Tennessee side, even though Fort Campbell is in Kentucky. Um, We're kind of newer to that like military culture though, because this is my husband's like 
third career. So he was in the military oh, wow. before. Yeah. But that's when we were just dating. He was in the Marines and now he's actually in the army and we're like full fledged in that lifestyle mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. this is only the second place we've been. We had a, like a brief stint in Oklahoma, just like, you know, randomly gave birth to a kid there and then we moved here. And so this is our first like more permanent place. And it's definitely a learning curve. I mean, but it's helpful to know that like, we're all in this together, you know, like everyone feels the same way. Cause when you first like get into this military life, it's like, you feel so alone, right? But literally oh, everyone sure. is feeling alone together. So if anything, that's a little bit of consolation. Yeah. And it's, it, I think it's been really like a sweet um, sense of community because like I had no military experience prior to marrying my husband. We're super fresh to the military too. This is our first duty station. Well, we're about to PCS relatively, you know, whenever the army says so we're supposed to PCS soon. Um, but yeah, it's been definitely like a culture shock, but I think that's been one of the sweetest things of being in a military culture is building community because Mm -hmm. there's so many other women that get it. Yeah, for sure. So that's been super sweet. So let's just dive in. Can you just start by sharing just the basics of women's hormones? You know, I think that's just such an important place to start because honestly, in my own health journey, I didn't realize that I couldn't get pregnant every day of the month <laughs> until I yes was way too grown. So let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, when we're having this conversation about women's hormones and then cyclical living in general, it's important to understand in the background what the purpose of having a cycle is in the first place. So for the human race, like the whole purpose of our cycle is to you know, procreate. So when you think about right. the different hormones and the different roles they play, it's all a part of that bigger picture. And even though each of our hormones, they have different ways that they affect our body, the overarching goal of this cycle that we have is to make babies, right? Whether or not that's your actual personal yeah. goal. So when you think about the purpose of each phase and what that looks like, it can make, it's like a lot more um, logical and it kind of makes more sense that way. So First, um, let's just talk about the two different phases of the menstrual cycle. So you can break it down into four phases or two phases. So at its core, there are only two halves of the menstrual cycle, the first half being the follicular phase and the second half being the luteal phase. That dividing line is ovulation. So in the first half of your cycle, you've got estrogen, it's rising, and the whole purpose of that is to get that egg ready to ovulate. And then after you ovulate, you move into your luteal phase. And the whole purpose of that phase is to get your body ready for a pregnancy, whether or not you've conceived during that fertile window surrounding ovulation your body is going to get that uterine lining ready so that by the time that egg makes its way down into the uterus, it has a home to implant into if you have conceived. So it doesn't matter whether or not you are trying to make a baby. That's what your body will try to do for you. And then if you didn't get pregnant and you don't need that uterine lining, you'll shed it in menstruation. So those are the two big halves of the cycle. And again, that dividing lines ovulation. And then when you, and I meant, forgot to mention in the latter half of the cycle, progesterone is your major player. So in the first half, estrogen, Estrogen is your major role player. And then the second half progesterone is you do get some estrogen in the second half of the cycle, but progesterone is really the star of the show. Um, So when you take into consideration the two events of the menstrual cycle, so menstruation and ovulation, you can break it down into four phases because they're distinct enough. And those hormones and those events give you, you know, distinct enough characteristics and experiences that you can break it down into four phases. And so the flow of it kind of looks like this cycle day one is the first day of your period. 
And once you, and that's considered your menstrual phase. And once you stop bleeding, you move into your follicular phase. And that's when your body is like, okay, let's get this egg ready. You feel kind of like Mm -hmm. back to life, right? Um, You have a lot of energy. And then eventually you get to this peak of your hormone status and you get a a boost of testosterone. And all of those things colliding tells your body green light it is time to ovulate. And so you're moving into your ovulatory phase here. That lasts, even though ovulation is only like Mm -hmm. a single moment in time, right? That phase itself lasts around four to five days because of those, you know, highs and those different changes of the hormones that are happening. You feel the effects of that for several days. So then 24 hours after you ovulate, you're moving into your luteal phase and that's the longest phase of all. So that's when progesterone takes over. It's about 12 days long. And you know, the luteal phase gets a bad rap, but really it shouldn't be. It shouldn't Mm -hmm. have that reputation because the first half of the luteal phase is actually like really, it feels great for a lot of women. You still have that energy high from ovulation and you are kind of riding that high for a while. And then it's kind of that pre-menstrual period of the luteal phase Mm -hmm. that really kind of like makes the rest of the luteal phase look bad, you know? Um, That's when our hormones are starting to drop off because that's the point at which your body realizes, okay, there's no baby here. We don't need this big, juicy, wonderful uterine lining. We can go ahead and shed it and start the process over. And so that experience of those hormones dropping in preparation for menstruation, that's that late luteal phase, kind of that Mm -hmm. PMS period. And that's when women can experience some symptoms. So, and then you menstruate in the cycle starts all over again. And that is the cycle in a nutshell. Yeah. I think as I've like kind of done my own research, it's been helpful for me to break it down into four phases because I've noticed like once I'm more attuned to this process, like I am a different person almost in each phase, which is so crazy. So like, I think of it as like my like beautiful and sexy phase. And then it's like the sloth, you know, like that late luteal. Exactly. Is my body going into hibernation because it has to create another human, you know? Right. Yeah, totally. I know it's a, it's a lot of work that your body is doing internally. And I think that is so underestimated or underrated and underappreciated too. It's like, you feel, oh, I'm so lazy. I'm just tired. I don't want to. Well, that's because internally your body is doing work. It it has so much going on. What was the starting point for you to even, like you mentioned, stepping out of like the Western medicine nursing sphere, like at the bedside to making the transition to, wait a minute, my cycle plays so much of a larger role in my life as a woman in motherhood, fitness, so many things. So what kind of was that um, tipping point for you? Great question. So let's back up a little bit because my experience with nursing was, it was a very long gradual evolution that got me to this point. And I always felt uh, way more aligned with preventative measures, preventative medicine. And so being in the ER when it was already too late for all of the patients, right, because they were in this emergency status, Mm. I never felt aligned with that. And so when I chose emergency nursing, I almost think that that was kind of a trauma response because I grew up in a very high paced, high stress environment of, you know, competitive gymnastics, competitive athletics. And so I was like, okay, well, I don't really know where to go um, in terms of a nursing specialty. So let's just go with what feels familiar. And that was, you know, trauma, high stress. Mm -hmm. So fast paced ER environment. And 
Yeah. Reactive. Totally. Yeah. So I learned a ton, right? Like I totally value my experience in the ER, but um, I just always felt like I wish there was more we could have done for these people. So they never got here in the first place. And growing up, I always was more into holistic wellness and things of that nature. I went to school originally to become a dietitian. My first degree was in community health and um, nutrition. But at the time, since I was struggling so much with my own disordered eating, I couldn't tell where that line was between your disorder and your actual genuine interests. So uh, eventually I decided to go the nursing route. Um, But once I kind of got away from the bedside and that happened because my husband moved for the army. So it was kind of like a happy accident. And I was like, okay, I had this blank slate and I was freshly postpartum with Kellen. We moved here when he was five weeks old. And when I was pregnant, yeah, I was starting to think to myself like, you know, being active and being consistent with um, exercise is so important to me that I needed a way to make sure that it didn't leave my life because I was so tired of going hard for a couple of weeks and then burning out and then being on this vicious cycle of, you know, punishing myself for not sticking to it this time Mm -hmm. and then overdoing it, overtraining, and then being essentially sedentary, right? It just didn't feel good anymore. And knowing that I was going to be a mom of two and that my time was not going to be my own, you know, for much of the day, I needed a way for fitness to be sustainable for it to work for me. And I especially wanted to model that for my kids growing up, I wanted them to grow up um, seeing and having role models of parents who were, you know, exercising for, you know, to make themselves feel better, not because they wanted to look a certain way or to punish themselves. I really wanted to end that cycle, that generational curse of, you know, constantly judging yourself. And, you know, I have boys too. So it's, you know, I know for girls, it's a different story, but I want them to also Mm -hmm. view women as, you know, equally capable, but also honoring that they are different in their own beautiful way. And so when I was pregnant with Kellen, I was looking into all the research that Dr. Stacey Sims has sort of pioneered behind the different approaches that women need to take, because as you know, she says, women are not small, small men. Mm -hmm. So she has started a whole bunch of research and all of that kind of just ricocheted me into this world of women needing to train a specific way. And so then I got my personal training license Mm -hmm. and started to see, okay, how can women actually get stronger and make, you know, have a progressive plan for fitness that's actually sustainable and enjoyable and that's working for them. And that's when I started to put all these puzzle pieces together. And when I got my period back after having Kellen, which was like seven weeks postpartum, good Lord. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I just started working out this way. I was like, what do I have to lose? You know, like I'm not, I don't have a competition coming up. I don't have to like, you know, peak at this point, I can just do this for me now. This is really just for health and feeling good. And for, you know, the fact that I like myself better when I'm active. So I started playing with this and realized like a year later, I was still consistent with exercise. And I looked in the mirror, I was like, I have never been this muscular in my life. Mm. Like I had been a competitive gymnast and I didn't recognize my own body. And I started to finally feel like I was home in my own body. And the, you know, the reflection that I saw in the mirror was actually reflecting the hard work that I was doing, but it felt good. And it was just this huge switch in my mind of, wow, this isn't a punishment anymore. This isn't to, you know, I'm not glorifying or wearing pain as a badge of honor anymore. I'm actually getting 
stuff out of fitness that you're supposed to get out of right. fitness, you know, all of the benefits, the supposed benefits of fitness. Well, I wasn't feeling them, right? It's supposed to feel good. Mm-hmm. And after a year of doing this, I was like, okay, there is something to this. And so I started putting all of these things down on paper and started talking about it on my Instagram. And it was resonating so much with women that I was like, okay, I have to I have to make a course for this mm-hmm. and teach people how to do this. And so that's what became the keeping balance method. Yeah. It's just been so cool to just see like that whole process because I, I think before I found your account, like you're exactly right. Like doing sports hardcore, you know, like especially in women's sports, it's like a whole other culture almost and tempo that you're forced to run at, not realizing the fact that you have to save space to honor that your body is inherently different. You know, I had male coaches that, we only went hard, you know? (laughs) Right. So like walking out of that, I did, like you mentioned, you have a CrossFit season and a CrossFit background. I walked through like Olympic lifting and CrossFit background. And it finally made sense in my pregnancy and postpartum for the first time, because my son's now a year and a half. Like fitness isn't supposed to feel this way. Like exactly like you mentioned, it shouldn't feel like punishment. It shouldn't feel like I'm pushing, you know, a round peg into a square hole. But that's where I feel like so many women hit that point of fitness doesn't feel good. So I'm just not going to fitness anymore. So that's what I love about your platform is like, no, you can fitness in a way that honors your body, but you have to be cognizant of how your body changes throughout your cycle. 100%. Yeah. That's really interesting point you made about women and athletics too, because I think, you know, in the huge grand scheme of things, in the big picture, women in competitive sports is is newer, mm-hmm. right, than men being in competitive sports. And so we kind of like in this era of like the, the birth control generation, the women in sports generation, the, you know, hardcore feminism and, you know, all of these things. And a lot of them are really good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, like we, we want to compete in sports, right. of course. So it's just interesting now, though, that we kind of feel like we have to prove something as females, that we have to kind of be on the same playing field. Right. And so there's just been this like very strange intersection of fighting for equality, but also honoring the fact that we are different and that, you know, we need a different approach to honor that. So it's kind of finding that balance like in in society almost too. So this is a lot bigger than just like, you know, day to day, I'm going to, I'm going to work out this way for my cycle. It's a much bigger message. And it's got a little bit newer to us because of, like I said, being in this generation, but really this is how women are built is how women are designed. And so the new thing to me is actually that we aren't in alignment with our cycles anymore. That's Mm. what's new in the bigger picture, right? So now we're just in this generation where we have to relearn that because of just the way we've grown up and the way things have evolved. Definitely. How would you recommend like tangible ways outside of fitness? Because we'll dive into that. Do you honor your body throughout your cycle? Yeah. Well, the first step would definitely be to get in touch with your personal manifestations. There's, you can't take any action without knowing what you're acting upon. So you've got to tune into, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of different domains, but the big ones really are going to be your energy levels, your moods. Um, You can look at your cravings, your different desires and what you kind of like pull towards or gravitate towards more. So we're looking at nutrition. We're looking at um, just general activities for the day, the way you parent. Um, Let's see the way that you do your work. So how like your workflow. So what are the different Mm -hmm. ways throughout the month that you actually 
kind of you know see yourself acting because a lot of people think it's something wrong with them if they are a little bit different this week than they were last week. It's oh, what's wrong with me? Uh, do I For have sure. an imbalance? I I, can't, I don't even know my own personality, but it's natural, it's normal, it's expected for a woman to go through these different kind of seasons and behave differently and crave different things. So get in touch with that. I mean, there are tangible things like cervical mucus that you can start observing to see where you are at in your cycle. You know, apps are helpful just to look at the calendar day and see, oh, this is cycle day X, but it's not helpful in predicting anything because that's, it doesn't know your body, right? Every cycle can be different. So start Mm -hmm. tuning into different signs of ovulation. And then when you are getting close to your period, I want you to really focus on the different things that you're feeling, um, Uh, pulled towards as those last few days um, progress towards your period. So are you feeling like anger is coming up? Are you feeling like, um, you know, you need to be more connected Mm. with your family? There are different things that can come up for you in different cycles. So it's really important to kind of act cycle to cycle and week by week and honor that. So it's not going to look the exact same every single month. For example, this past luteal phase that like that last five days, I was feeling a lot of feelings of anger coming up. And so it was a really good time for me to channel that into something like a barbell, and then also address dress it head on and say, okay, what's going on in my life? What do I need to really address? And so it kind of naturally opens up these, these gates or these channels for us to tune in with ourselves and to check in with ourselves and to keep ourselves as balanced as possible. It's a truly a beautiful gift that we get to kind of have this all encompassing holistic perspective and approach to our lives. That is not just this rigid robotic, not, not in this way that society expects us to live by. Definitely. And I think you had a great point of, I don't think many women understand that our body psychologically also changes over the course of our cycle. Yeah. Um, and you can probably speak more to this, but it's like your, as your estrogen rises, your body, like you said, mm-hmm. is intended to procreate, whether that's your, your intention or not. So you're going to be inherently feeling more sexy. You're probably going to be making bolder decisions. You are going to wear you know, more feminine or outgoing clothes because you, you feel confident versus, you know, in your late luteal phase, you may be like, no, we're not doing this today. (laughs) You know, like, you know, my, my last, um, luteal phase, I like did not get off the couch and I was just like, you know what, this is it. Right. (laughs) I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to walk because I like need to mentally get out of the house. But like beyond that, that's all my body's going to do. So maybe you can just share a little bit more of what you've seen in the psychological aspect of cues to kind of watch for in the change over the course of your cycle. Yeah. Well, you hit the nail on the head because like you said, in the first half of that cycle, the whole goal is to get out there and find a mate. (laughs) Right. And so you are feeling way more confident. You feel more social, sociable. So maybe you want to get out of the house and do more things, more activities, meet up with your friends. Um, you feel like you have a lot more energy. Um, drive and motivation is also up here too. So that's amazing for the gym. You feel um, like more mm-hmm. driven towards accomplishing a goal. Um, and then after ovulation towards that luteal phase, again, that the whole purpose of that is that you are kind of in baby like building mode. So a lot of um, the psychological parts of that is you feel way more organized. So Mm. whereas in the follicular phase, you probably feel really creative. Now in the luteal phase, you feel a lot more organized and um, kind of like that nesting sense that you get in pregnancy of like, you want to clean the house, you want to organize everything, you want to tidy everything up. I definitely get that hardcore. Like a few days after I ovulate, I am like on my hands and knees with a sponge, like Like getting all the little details. And like, (laughs) yes, and that is so not me. Like I like to organize more so than like deep 
clean, but girl, after ovulation, mm. I'm like, oh my God, I cannot stand that little mark on the wall. So yeah. um, you'll see a lot of that and then kind of drawing inwards at the end of your cycle. So you want to, you want to be more reflective. You kind of like, you know, introverted a little bit more kind of like what you were saying. Um, you know, I'll, I'm going to stay in here. You guys can go out there and, you know, mm-hmm. have your party, but I'm going to take a few more minutes. Like there's just no like, this, like just drive to get out there and be in the public so much as you are in the first half of your cycle. But also what's interesting in the luteal phase is a study I read that was looking at how you, um, how your body image evolves over the cycle. Mm. And this is, you know, really important to me because I struggled a lot with body image in my early twenties. So I was reading a study and it, it noted that even though you were, you know, even if body composition didn't change whatsoever, so same metrics throughout yeah. the phases, you actually viewed your body as being heavier in the luteal phase, or you had more body dissatisfaction mm. when you looked at yourself in the mirror during that luteal phase, despite there being no change in body fat or anything like that. So it's just really interesting to me because we're so hard on ourselves. Our inner critic really comes out in that luteal phase. And you know, I don't know if that's entirely explained right now or mm-hmm. as, why, as to why you know that phase can do that. Um, but it happens. So right. it's good to be aware of it and at least honor that, okay, this is, you know, this isn't me. This isn't truth. This is right. just a phase, literally just a phase and we'll get through this. Um, so it's, it's almost like, you know, a good, a good self-check when you're in that luteal phase, even though your inner critic is there. Yes. Listen to mm-hmm. some recurring themes and recurring voices that might come up for you, but at the same time, be very aware that in a few weeks, you're not going to feel like this. Mm, that's so fascinating. I think, That's really interesting because, um, one I noticed, so we have a military ball coming up in January and of course, like just finding a dress is like the bane of my existence, you know? Um, but I noted that we were shopping in my late luteal phase and of course nothing worked, whether like my husband and my family was, my sister was shopping with us. Like, no, this is it. This is fantastic. Like, this is your dress. I was like, take it off. I look like a whale, like, you know, there's not like, we're not going to take anything home. So that's just so interesting because like, you know, my weight changes, you know, over the course of your cycle changes from bloating to PMS, like all of that. So like I physically felt gross, but like you said, the truth is just a phase, you know? So like I was believing the lie that no, my body is bloated. I'm not going to fit into this dress. So (laughs) my husband even made the comment. He was like, okay, maybe we should go shopping when you're ovulating next round (laughs) because boom. Okay. Gold stars for your husband. That's exactly what I was going to say. You just need to go shopping like mm, 15 Mm. days later. (laughs) Yeah. So he was like, maybe we should just shop then. And that's just like been a mental note for me. Cause I was like, I need, you know, everybody hates jean shopping. So next time I need to go get jeans, I just need to be, pay attention to where I am in my cycle. Yep, there you go. So that's there super fascinating. So what has it looked like for you, like in your personal journey to make these changes, to see the benefits in your mental and physical health? Like you mentioned, you saw physical body composition changes, but what else did you see in your mental wellness? 
Yeah, definitely. This has been huge. And it's hard for me to like not get a little bit emotional when I talk about this stuff and being on cycle day two, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you might get a little, you get what you get on cycle yep. day two. Okay. So, um, so mentally and physically, like, like I touched on, like physically, I've never felt more confident. I've never had as much muscle as I have right now. And it's built, it's coming with so much more ease. I don't have to fight for mm-hmm. gains, right? You don't have to fight for making mm-hmm, right. these new progressions, new PRs, if you will. Um, it's just, it comes with so much more ease and it feels natural and it flows. And it's just kind of like, of course, you know, like when those things happen, you're just like, of course that happened. Right. Um, and sometimes I'm still Mm -hmm. surprised when I like lift something and I'm like, that felt way too easy. Like, am I sure that that was only like, Mm -hmm. that was, you know, this weight. And I'm like, yes, of course it's because I'm on cycle day, you know, 13. And this is, this is exactly the way that I am built to do this. And so there's been this so much like acceptance of both the highs and the lows. And it's not even that it's high and low, it's, you know, all valuable in its own right. But when you're in that luteal phase, I think a lot of us still hold ourselves accountable for our follicular version of us. And so now when you have this approach, you give yourself so much more grace and acceptance and love being who you are as you are every phase of your cycle. And there's no more fighting against or trying to compare yourself to an earlier version of you because you know that where you stand today in the body that you are in right now, it's where you're meant to be. There's a purpose for it that's deeper and bigger than beyond anything that you're trying to do in the gym that day. And it just makes Mm. fitness feel so much more peaceful and you get to enjoy it more. That's the big end result is you enjoy it more. And then because you enjoy it more, you do it more. And so it's more sustainable long-term and it becomes more of a natural part of your life. It just fits in so easily. And that's what I always crave for fitness. And I didn't understand before why I was always fighting to love fitness so much. And so it's no longer a fight. Mm -hmm. So these things come with ease. You love it more. You enjoy it more. And I'm able to feel so much more confident in myself as a parent too, because I know I'm modeling, you know, positive behavior to what will become young men and men someday who might be with women. So they're getting to see that fitness is important and it feels really good to feel strong, but it's as equally important to rest because there are so many different parts of the puzzle and that rest is just as valuable as the work. And, um, I just feel so confident knowing that my boys will grow up seeing that. And, um, it's just this, you know, it's come full circle for me and I'm so deeply appreciative of my body in a way that I've never been. So mentally it's, I I think if I had to sum it up in one word, it would just be freedom. And if I could sum it up in Mm. one word physically, it would just be empowerment because isn't that what fitness is supposed to do for us? You know, like um, it's not empowering if you are fighting against your body the entire cycle, because then what are you fighting for? Like, what are you, what are you really trying to prove when who wins, right? Who wins when you're doing that? Mm -hmm. Definitely not you. So how can we approach fitness now that, you know, is in a way that you actually win from it? That's what it's supposed to be like. So it's, it really feels like kind of coming home to your body. It feels like, yes, this is the way it's supposed to be. It's a fresh of breath or breath of fresh air and also a sigh of relief at the same time. Mm, That's so good. And I think it was so wise how you shared about like being an example, like as a fellow boy mom, I think it was like a couple months ago, you posted about being on your cycle with your boys, like trying to walk through like tampons, pads, like everything in the language around that. So I just want to go back to that and bring that up. Cause that was like, for me personally, like such a breath of fresh air and encouragement. Cause I was like, wait a minute, like 
this isn't gross. Right. That I think was like the encouragement to me as the mom of like, Hey, like I'm not gross. I'm not dirty. I'm not, you know, this isn't a bad or ugly part of who I am, but how can I like encourage my son to also save space for me as his mom, but also like his future spouse. So like what encouragement would you give to moms or like explain that this isn't a taboo thing. And that's what I think you're breaking the ceiling right now is like talking about your cycle and fitness and how do we honor women's bodies is starting the conversation that menstruation is not a taboo word. Oh, I love that. You're right. It does start with our smallest, youngest humans right now. If we really want to change the way that we view women's bodies, um, because they're so impressionable at that age, that's when they start to learn these things and start to Mm -hmm. figure out how am I supposed to feel about X, Y, Z. When you have toddlers, they're always with you. Like they are attached to you. And so when I am on my period and I go to the bathroom, I mean, on my period or not, they're with me in the bathroom. Right. And so they started to notice, (laughs) right. They started to notice um, when I had my period and I think my youngest was kind of pointing in the toilet and he said, boo-boo. And I was like, okay, mm. <laughs> teaching moment. <laughs> I said, no, this is not a boo-boo. Mommy's okay. This is what happens to mommy and all women every month. And so we started with that very basic uh, okay. concept of this is not a boo-boo. This is, this mm. is, I know this is coming. I know this is happening. This is supposed to happen. And so they started to learn like, okay, I don't have to be afraid. This is okay. Mommy's not hurt. Um, and then toddlers love to help. They love to have jobs. And so mm-hmm. just instinctively, my older son was like, oh, can I get, you know, your thing? Or I don't know if he knew, if he had, like, knew the name to it. And I was like, yeah, it's right. called a tampon. So he's like, oh, can I pick it out? Can I pick it out? And then I also use, <laughs> use period underwear. And so they're like, oh, can right. I pick out your period underwear? So they just love to help. And I'm like, sure, go. So one picks out my tampon, one picks out my period underwear. And it's just a normal part of the day, the same way that I would go wipe their bottom if they go to the bathroom the same way that I would help you know clean up a diaper it's just part of the process and like anyone who says that it's gross I'm like you literally would not be here right now if it weren't for this process so Mm. a little gratitude might be nice (laughs) you know so (laughs) right it is I mean it's kind of unavoidable right when you have your kids like right there front row seats everything that's going on Mm -hmm. and to be able like just knowing how powerful your language can be and just how they grow up thinking of women's bodies it's it's a really like cool kind of power or really responsibility to have because we're getting to shape Mm -hmm. this next generation so I think it's really important if your little ones are asking questions about what's going on to make sure that you are emphasizing that one it's normal it's not a boo-boo and that you're safe and two that this is this is what happens to women because this is how new humans are made this is not how new babies are made so I explained it to them as um every month mommy's body makes um you know, a home for a baby, if I were going to have another baby. And if I don't need all that blood to give to the baby, then my body will remove mm. it and it falls out into the toilet or whatever. Yeah. So they just kind of know this basic concept of that blood was going to be for a baby, but there's no baby. So it comes out. Mm. That's a great visualization though. And just like easy way to conceptualize to tiny minds that like, one, I'm not hurt. Two, there shouldn't be shame attached right. to this. Exactly. Like if we're going to, like you said, start changing the language around menstruation and our cycle period, like our little boys should also learn these things. 100%. 
Um, and that's like a, a conversation I had with my husband is like, should we be talking to our son about like, he's not going to have a period like biologically, but he should really know, like for me as his mom, or if we have future babies and he has a sister or a girlfriend or, you know, his aunt, like how do we honor and love all of these people in my life? If I don't know exactly. Yeah. You know, so I think that was a great way to like conceptualize that for our tiny humans. Just like, it's okay. It's not shameful. It's not gross. And like, here's how you can help. I think that was also like a great point. Exactly. So let's dive into the fitness thing. So keeping balance method, correct me on all of this, um, basically is a huge toolbox of amazing resources and gives you everything you need to like make this transition of freedom. Like exactly like you said, can you give without giving us all of KVM, like the basic, I guess, transitions to Mm -hmm. how to approach fitness in a cyclical phase? Definitely. Yeah. So there are four training weeks in KVM and that is going to correlate to cycle days. So it's not all going to be the same, just menstrual phase, follicular phase. There's definitely some overlap there. So we take that into account. Um, So we call it training weeks in KVM. And so we kind of take a different approach, but it's all building towards the same end result, whether it's, you know, getting stronger, building muscle, body composition change, you're progressively, you know, moving throughout the cycles. It's not just like random workouts, and then you start over the next cycle. No. So I teach you how to use progressive overload. But at the same time, we are changing up the different like rep schemes, essentially, and, you know, rest and weight and your rate of perceived exertion throughout the cycle to make it fit best with your hormones. So when you're menstruating that those heaviest flow days, I really like to think of them as restorative movements. So things like walking, mm-hmm. things that aren't going to get your heart rate up too high that you really have to like recover extra from. So more restorative movement during that time. And then as you get into the follicular phase, that's when you can kind of ramp up that um, intensity. You can be lifting heavier. Your body here loves interval phases. You can use um, your carbs more efficiently for energy. So those short bursts of energy are really awesome here. Um, then when we get into ovulation, that's kind of the peak of it all. So that's when you're going to be training your hardest hitting your heaviest loads maybe you want to try for a pr maybe you want to do a competition things like that would fit great here mm-hmm. and then as we move into the luteal phase you are much more prone to do um lower intensity but longer duration effort so more endurance work in that early luteal phase as you get into the late luteal phase that's when things start to kind of taper back down again and you kind of start the process mm-hmm. all over again and i love this approach because it kind of perfectly combines all the different domains of fitness um when you're like talking about like, you know, sports physiology or like a personal training perspective, all of those different domains of fitness actually just blend beautifully. It's just built into our bodies as females. So it's really quite convenient. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a, a matter of learning your own body signs and figuring out when you are transitioning through these phases so that you can apply these concepts. And that's what I walk you through in KVM. We have, I have a video demonstration where I'm taking you through the planner and how to, you know, how to pretty much make it work for you instead of just blindly following a plan. Mm -hmm. I have been programming my workouts cyclically for the past three months. And let me tell you, wow, like game changing, you know, to, first of all, I think it's so funny. Like I, I think about so many things in my life of like my um, ovulation brain, like my ovulation brain thinks that this girl's a runner. (laughs) Right. Like newsflash, I am not a runner, (laughs) you know, so 
I like laugh because now it's like, oh, now I realize like how my body craves movement throughout yeah. my cycle. So the Reina that decided that she was a runner during ovulation, I don't have to beat her up when I'm in my luteal phase because I'm not getting off the couch. Like there's no way that I'm going <laughs> to go running. Yeah. You know, so that's been just like so cool to see that. And maybe you can speak more on this. I don't have to sacrifice my fitness goals if I transition to a cyclical fitness model. Like you can still lose weight. You can still build endurance, you know, like 100%. you don't have to sacrifice your goals or even your training style, you know, CrossFit, Olympic lifting, whatever, in order to apply this method. Yeah. And it's actually the opposite. It's not just that you don't have to give it up or sacrifice it. It's that it's actually going to help you longer term because you're going to get more out of it. Mm -hmm. It's much more optimized. And you're, you know, if your training style is CrossFit, okay. So there are tons of different ways that you can modify throughout the cycle so that you can actually do CrossFit for longer and get more out of it and enjoy it more and maybe actually perform better at certain workouts at certain times of the cycle. Right. If you are a runner and you love to race, there are all these different things that you can take into consideration for optimizing your training too. It doesn't matter what you're doing. There is a way to optimize it based off of your cycle. And again, like I was saying before, I see much better results now than I've ever have. And so I think that's a big misconception of, well, I don't want to just like have to walk for half of my cycle, like in my mm. luteal phase, it's just for walking. Like, no, thank you. Well, th that's no. definitely incorrect. Right. Like that's, you know, you don't have to just walk. Right. You can, if that's what your body is telling you to do. But remember that goes back to what we were saying before about rest being as equally important just as the work. So you're not actually making gains while you're in the gym. You're making gains while you're recovering from your workout. So that's mm -hmm. just built in more when you're um, optimizing your workouts according to your cycle. So you, it's like, I said the other day in my Instagram stories, I was like, oh, that's a good line. <laughs> it's like a trampoline right? So mm -hmm. like you're still doing the workouts, but your hormones kind of act as a trampoline for you to get even higher and more out of those workouts. Definitely. And I like one of my friends was asking me about like just the approach. And I said, well, for me right now, I'm testing out just because I've never trained this way, you know? And like you said, mm -hmm. for so many women, it's a culture shock because like nobody's, nobody's talking about this, you know, like you're one of the first yeah. people that I've heard that it's like talking about this and it's revolutionary because I never considered, you know, I'll walk into right now, like I'm programming my, um, just some trying to hit some like basic PRs for foundational movements, you know, your hinges, your benches, whatever. Yeah. Um, so like my PR week is like ovulation focused, but after that, like, it's not that I give up movement, but I may move from a barbell to all of the machines, you know? So mm -hmm. like, it's an easy way to like modify. I'm not giving up these workouts or the programs that I've built for myself. It's just being intentional and cognizant to provide, I think, freedom mentally. So I'm like not mm -hmm. beating myself up because I'm not, you know, deadlifting, you know, the weight of the world, you know, after right. I've ovulated. <laughs> um, so I think there's like the mental component that you're teaching women, but also like the physical component of Hey, I can still deadlift or I can still squat, but I, my body does not feel like I can do a barbell back squat right now. So I'm going to go and switch to the leg press, you know, like a lot yeah, of exactly. these movements can be modified. Like you said, even in a CrossFit right. or different style. Yeah. And they're complementary too. So if you're moving to the machines or you're just like taking a different approach to still, you're, you're still building towards that ultimate goal. If you want to improve your squat or your deadlift um, numbers, it's just a different approach, but you're still working towards that because either it's not 
correct to only train one rep maxes to improve your one rep max. If you want to improve right. your one rep max, you're also going to have to be able to do three reps at a lower weight and five reps at an even lower mm-hmm. weight. So when you are moving into your legal phase, maybe you're not doing super heavy deadlifts. Maybe you're doing 50% to 70% but you're ripping out like 10 to 12 reps. And that's still going to make you stronger and get you to that higher one rep max in in the long run. So I think that's also something to keep in mind is people think the only way to progress is to the same thing over and over again, but you have to switch it up and kind of get your Mm -hmm. muscles to work in different ways and train those different metabolic pathways because it's all going to come together. And um, there was something else that you touched on that I thought was really important, which was that you are a runner, (laughs) your brain thinks you are a runner um, in certain Mm -hmm. parts of your cycle. And this is, this resonated so much with me because I just pretty much fundamentally dislike cardio. (laughs) Like I am not a cardio Mm -hmm. person. I've always, always been more of like an anaerobic athlete. I even, I don't know if you've done like um, 23andMe or like genetic testing or whatever, but I got one Mm -hmm. of those health genetic testing kits and even came back genetically speaking, you have the muscle composition of like anaerobic elite athletes, not mm, um, mm-hmm. tr- uh, endurance athletes. And I was like, yeah, d- didn't, didn't need a test to tell me <laughs> that, you know, like I know. Right. Um, so I, I just don't like cardio in general, but I am more drawn to it in certain times of my cycle. I'm like, you know what? A really like, mm-hmm. like a bike ride feels like sounds good right now or like a long brisk walk mm-hmm. or like, um, so maybe sometimes I want to go for like a little jog, like, Hey, let's just switch it up a little bit. But right. So it's important to keep in mind, maybe you don't hate certain things. Maybe you're just trying it in like an inappropriate part of your Mm. cycle. Yeah. So if you think like, oh, I don't like lifting weights, like try doing it like towards the end of your follicular phase and just see how it makes you feel. Or I hate going for runs, like try it in that Mm. early luteal phase. It might feel a little bit better for you. So not to say that you have to force yourself into doing something. It's just, you know, that door is open. If you want to give it a go, Mm -hmm. you might like it better. You might align with it more in different times of your cycle. Definitely. So would you say that women, one, maybe this is two questions, that have irregular cycles would be able to do this? And would you recommend this like postpartum? Yeah. So two kind of different things there. So with irregular cycles, you absolutely can still practice cyclical fitness. It just goes back to Mm -hmm. figuring out where you are in your cycle. So if you can't predict it, if it's not going to be predictable and follow a pattern, then you're going to have to start measuring biomarkers to figure out where you are in your cycle. So cervical mucus plays a role. You can track your basal body temperature to see when you've shifted into that luteal phase. Um, You can track LH strips to see when you're about to ovulate and then start correlating that to how you're feeling, your mood, your energy, your libido, um, your cravings, things like that. Um, And not just cravings of food. I mean, cravings of like what we're talking about before behaviors. Um, So that's for irregular cycles. Um, And then for being postpartum, if you don't have your cycle back, you know, it's like, it can take for me seven weeks, but for other women, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's been 18 months and they haven't had their cycle back yet. So there's no rule saying that you have to actually have a period to follow this kind of pattern, because like we were talking about before, it's a very well-rounded approach to fitness. So if you don't have your Mm -hmm. cycle back, 
you can certainly start implementing this to kind of get the feel and the practice and the rhythm of it to kind of like ease your way mm. into cyclical living without the actual cycle part of it. Um, or you can, right. you know, you can just do what feels good because postpartum comes with it's a host of other things too. You might be breastfeeding that takes a mm -hmm. lot of energy. Um, and then you also have a newborn. <laughs> so that newborn is probably waking up a lot during the night. Uh, newborns, like, I don't know who came up with that phrase, sleep like a baby, because it's not true, right? Lies. Like they, yeah, lies. So they um, are going to make your, they're just going to change things, right? Like having a baby changes things. So mm -hmm. you might not be able to work out the same exact way that you did before. That was true for me. It might mm -hmm. be true for you too. So you've got to consider, okay, I've got a newborn and I'm, I might be making milk too. And my sleep is less optimized. So you've got to take that into consideration too, but you can certainly start following the flow or, you know, wait, do what feels good and start measuring your LH um, levels to see when you're going to get that um, first ovulation back. Because once you ovulate, you know, okay, my period will be in about two weeks. And so it's kind of just like this, like mm -hmm. you said, a transition period. You don't, you don't have to hold yourself to like a strict standard of like, I, you know, I have to be ovulating here and I, da, da, da. No, you get to let that go. That's right. total permission to let that go in that postpartum phase because this is a massive transition for you as a person, for you like hormonally, you're becoming a mother, your family is transitioning. So this is a huge period to just give yourself grace. But having that cyclical um, pattern to hold on to is really helpful because like I said before, like you're not going to have to hold yourself accountable to being that same person and perform the same way every day. No, mm -hmm. you get to show up as you are. And it kind of bleeds into all areas of your life. Like I've heard from so many women in KBM who are like, this is so much more than fitness. Like I've been practicing this way, um, you know, for fitness and I'm seeing all these changes like in the Definitely. gym, but also who I'm becoming outside of the gym is changing too. And I absolutely love that. It's bleeding into motherhood and it's bleeding into like the mm -hmm. workspace. Like, Oh, no wonder, like, I cannot like think of this right now. Like, no, no wonder I can't like crunch these numbers or whatever. Like it just, everything starts to make more sense and you start to understand yourself more. Absolutely. And that was such, I think, just a perfect example in tangible ways to be more aware of that. But I think even in motherhood, I think you've been a great example of pursuing, like pursuing fitness and motherhood, period. Um, you know, just the way that you're vulnerable and you share what that looks like. So what encouragement would you give to mamas that just can't even conceptualize fitness right now? Like, I think you and I are on the same page of like the importance of fitness functionally mm -hmm. in motherhood <laughs> so that's oh, yeah. why I always tell like I'm training like several of my pregnant friends like please please lift weights because when they dismiss you from the <laughs> hospital and they tell you not to lift anything right yeah good luck <laughs> yeah but they said you know don't work out during your pregnancy whatever so what encouragement would you give to mamas that are just struggling to exercise right now and the importance of that because I think KBM yeah. like you've built this amazing resource to make that transition easier. Well, yeah, that's definitely one of the big reasons I have it out there. I think it's super important. I just, I want women to have that tool in their toolbox. Um, just to add to the repertoire mm -hmm. of ways that they can make fitness work in their lives. But like you said, it's, it's so hard to conceptualize fitness when you're a new mom too. But a couple of things to note is that first of all, your life as a mom is very um, physically intensive, like the amount of carrying that you're doing, if you're mm, producing mm -hmm. milk, that's a lot of physical work on your body. You are probably more active than you give yourself credit for, especially when you have little ones. 
and you know, just getting on the floor and playing with your kids and, you know, you chase them around the backyard for a little bit. Fitness doesn't have to happen inside of a gym. So give yourself permission for fitness to look a little bit different here because it's not all going to happen in this Mm -hmm. condensed session, right? Like, sure, we can get in the gym and have our condensed sessions, but also it's going to start to um, kind of expand a little bit. It's going to expand to your backyard. It's going to expand to the little walks that you take your kids on, things like that. Just being in a stroller and going to go see like the Christmas lights or whatever. Um, So just understand that it's going to look a little bit different in this season and that's okay and that's absolutely valid and valuable. Um, But also that your kids need a mom that takes care of themselves. So like, I always tell that to myself when I feel guilty about going to the gym or doing anything that is like focused on me is I think about, do I want Mm. these children that I love to have a caretaker that is taken care of? Would I want my kids to have a caretaker Mm. that is running on empty? No, because I have enough love for my kids to know that their caretaker needs to be taken care of and be at her best. And so that's, for me, what being in the gym is, is making sure that, I mean, it's not everything. Like, yeah, a lot of it is just for me and you need those things that are just for you. But a lot of it is also like when you're looking at it through the lens of motherhood, it is also making sure that your kids have the best mom possible to be able to provide for your kids and be there mentally and, and feel good and feel strong and have the energy to chase them around and Mm -hmm. all those fabulous things. So it just, it goes so much deeper than just like, I have to go burn some calories in the gym. No, like it, it kind of like, forces you to, mm-hmm. when you're a mom, you don't have space for that anymore. You don't have the energy or the time to be worrying about those things anymore that diet culture wants us to keep doing, you know, um, like, sorry, sorry, girl. Mm-hmm. No, I'm out. Like, check me out. I don't have time for that right. thought process anymore. Like we're here for the long haul. We're here to feel good. We're here to be healthy. We're here to be able to lift our kids and, you know, have long, healthy lives and see them graduate from college and not be on medication by the time we're 50. Like it's all of those things that are not as sexy. But- yeah, definitely. It's all those things that, you know, you don't think about when you grow up in diet culture, right? Like, and unfortunately I've shared this with friends, like pregnancy was my first step into walking out of disordered eating. And that's like so sad to like say out loud, but it's true. Like my husband, we got pregnant and then I was like, I can't do this anymore because I literally have to, I have to physically nourish my body. And so this postpartum and I think just body image like transformation for my own health journey has been so awesome to like walk into it from a cyclical sense because it gives myself the grace to realize that there's so many other markers but fitness as a mom is not just fitness you know it is the fact that like I'm I need to sleep better I need to eat better I need to be a better example for my son because like I don't want him to create and live in the same habits that like I grew up, how you mentioned some of like that generational baggage (laughs) and that culture identity Mm -hmm. around fitness, eating healthy, approaching life in a holistic way. So I think you had just like a great point there. Definitely one of the sexy topics, I think. Um, What recommendations or resources would you share for like, period underwear or like temperature trackers, like all this fun um, kind of extras to help us be attuned to our cycle. Definitely. So I'm sure you might have like a show notes section. So that would be awesome to be able to like link these like resources out. So for period underwear, I use Modi Body. I, I like was going through different brands and then I actually had like a Zoom conversation with someone from Modi Body and I was like, like, 
listen, Mm -hmm. what is in these things? I do not want to be putting like harmful reproductive chemicals and endocrine disruptors on my hoo-ha. So they're like, yeah, no, none of that. So I really love Mati Body for period underwear. And then for temperature tracking, if you want to track your basal body temperature to see when you make that transition after you've ovulated and confirm ovulation which by the way, means that your fertile window has closed and you can't get pregnant. Um, I use temp drop. Okay. And it's so easy because you just wear it on your arm overnight. And then mm-hmm. in the morning, you just sync it to your phone and that's all. Cause usually you would have to wake up at the same time, like around the same time and measure mm-hmm. it manually. Like you can mm-hmm. still do it that way. Right. Um, but it's great for anyone who like, maybe you're a mom and you have, you're up throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's just so easy to be able to just wear it and forget it. Um, so that's what I would use for that. And then of course, for all things cyclical fitness, I would recommend my course, the keeping balance method, um, because it's everything that you need all in one place, which is what I love. Like, even if you're not super familiar with your cycle, I have a module all about taking you through the basics. And I've had women go through who are like, okay, I actually work in the gynecological world and I've never seen it explained like this before. So there's a takeaway for, you know, anyone, whatever experience level that you have. So it takes you through everything you need to know in a progressive and logical fashion. So that's obviously my resource for cyclical fitness. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And we're big encouragers over here for that because you also have a, correct me if I'm wrong, another course for, let's say you are another hormone guru and you're like, I got this. Isn't there another course um, that you have similar to KBM, but it's like a bite size, I think the master level. Yeah. So it's, I call it KBM light. So if you are already totally like, I know my hormones, this like, yeah, I'd learned this in a second grade, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. You can get the KBM light version, which just excludes yeah. that first like introductory, a couple of lessons. And so, yeah, gotcha. it's just like a slightly lower price point, but it's just kind of straight to the guts of the course. Mm. Okay. That's great. Yeah. I have seen the temp drop. Is that something that you wear like over the course of your whole cycle or just like around your ovulation phase? Yeah. You would wear it for your whole cycle. I mean, you can, I mean, I'm sure you can hack it. Like if you're trying to use that to prevent pregnancy, like you've got to do it by the book. And I think I would recommend every single day. Sometimes I have just worn it at parts of my cycle because like I've done it long enough that I kind of know my body. And so, yeah, I haven't been doing it by the book 100% of the time, if I'm being honest, but for best accuracy, yeah, you wear it every night. Gotcha. Yeah. I have um, an aura ring and they, with their new... newest update or generation added the temperature tracker. So that Mm -hmm. has been like super helpful for me to see like, okay, I felt like this during ovulation. I hit my PRs in the gym. We're pretty like tracking some of the other like biological markers like mucus and everything. And then it'll give me like your body temperature, sleep recovery and everything. So then I see like, oh, here's my jump in um, body temperature just finished ovulation. Great. <laughs> so, yep. Ding, ding, um, ding. Yeah, exactly. That's been super helpful for me, but it's good to know of other resources. So, perfect. Courtney, this is such an awesome conversation. So, I will definitely put all of your resources, all the goodies in the show notes. Can you share a little bit about where our community can connect with you? Yes, definitely. Well, thank you so much for having me, Raina. This has been so fun. I love just like mm-hmm. riffing on this stuff. So, like, thank you for giving me a platform to just like, 
basically vent. So, um, sure. I, yeah, I mainly live on Instagram. So I am at Courtney keeping balance. And then I also am on my website at Courtney keeping Perfect. I'll link all of those. So before we close, I have one final question. It's for all our guests, because this is just a place where I think, um, my heart is to share all the things I wish I had known, you know, and all the things that i I hope it acts as an encouragement and a light for other women wherever they are in their health journey. So if you could provide any wisdom to your younger self or community that is listening, what would you share? Oh man, that's a hard hitting question. (laughs) So many things, so many things. But if I had one thing to tell my younger self, I would probably tell her that, um, she doesn't need to be at war with herself and that, she's got everything that she needs within her Mm. and that the longer she fights with herself, the longer it's going to take to actually reach her goals and that there is so much peace and wisdom and all of the tools that she needs within her already. She was born with it. And all it takes is like a little bit Mm. of an ear to listen, just to tune in and you can actually become teammates and best friends and allies with your body instead of being at war and that's how it's meant to be. Mm, that was beautiful, Courtney. Thank you so much for this um, show. You are a wealth of wisdom and we are huge supporters for KBM, Keeping Balance um, and all things that Courtney shares. So I'll link all of your information. You guys, please go check her out. Hop on her course because it will change your life. So thank you guys so much thank for you listening. so much. Yeah. And we will catch you guys in the next episode. Bye. This episode of If Only Our Wiser has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss any encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to build our community and share more about topics that will be healing and helpful for you. See you in the next episode.